All aboard! You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about Exalted. And I'm your host, Corey. And joining me today, as always, is Jim. How's it going, Corey? Hey, man. And also joining us today, but in spirit, not in body, is Charles. Charles, don't say anything. <laughs> Charles is going to be actually sitting just kind of in the uh, in the eaves over here listening to us. He apparently, his body is so full of microbes from the uh, the card game tournament thing that he went to that literally every time he opens his mouth, bacteria fountain out uh, like some sort of toilet backed up. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, so he's going to he's going to just kind of be uh, listening into us. So if, if you, I mean, just don't feel like he's not here because he is here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Jim, man, uh, how's things been going with you this week? I know you and I have a very special uh, date set up a week from tomorrow. And have you been have you been working on all your stuff for that particular exciting day? Uh, yes, I have. Yes, I have. We are we are actually planning to do now. <laughs> this might seem stupid to like you know a million people out there listening, uh, but we are gonna go to our very first Starfinder Society role playing game in a you know in a neutral store type location, and so we're gonna have to we're gonna sit there we're gonna play some Starfinder with some strangers and I. I'm excited about it. I've never done a Starfighter Society, Pathfinder Society, anything like that. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons encounters, you know, what all of these like these uh, store-based organized play programs. I've never done one, and I've been kind of scared to even try it because uh, strangers <laughs> are weird. <laughs> I've never done one as well, so uh, I, I know, right? Because like be since together. we were. Yeah, I mean, since we were little kids, all we've ever done is, like, played with family, played with friends that we know in person, and, uh, I mean, the very, the very, very, um, I guess, most adventurous we've ever gotten in terms of bringing other people in is, like, when we do play-by-post or something right. on our forums, and, you know, we've had, even then, I think we've we've literally played with one person. Or uh, when uh, somebody has <laughs> somebody has a random cousin that spent the night on your role playing yeah. night, like, hey, that's right. This is Bobby. Uh, he's a fighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or uh, you know, <laughs> uh, our our buddy Tommy. Uh, when when we kind of or when I reconnected with him a few years ago online, and I, you know, you're introducing me to him, and and I'm like, hey, Tommy, how's it going, man? Good to meet you. He's like, oh, I've met you before. I've I've role played at your house, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You did? <laughs> and he's he's like telling me stuff about my dog and all this other and I'm I'm going, You did? Like I, I, I totally don't remember that, but okay. I mean you seem to have some inside information there, so I, I remember but, that. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. I think, I think we were playing Earth Dawn and him and another friend of ours named Steven. They pretty just much dropped in. I think they just got drunk at the bar the whole time while the rest of us are playing. Like, yeah, yeah, you go fight. We're we're just gonna stay here. Was that when we were playing outside on the back porch? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think remember. 
Nah, I don't. I don't do very very well in non air conditioned environments. <laughs> I know we did at least a couple of times back there, but yeah. But uh, so this is uh, this is gonna be pretty neat. You know, I've never actually played Starfinder before. Uh, I've listened to the Glass Cannon do it on um, Androids and Aliens, and I've read a lot of the that first Adventure Path adventure um, incident at Absalom Station. But I've never actually played any Starfinder. So, of course, we played tons and tons of Pathfinder D&D and all that stuff, and it's very similar. But uh, but I'm looking forward to it just well, to get my, my feet wet playing that game. Yeah, I think as far as futuristic games, it's mainly been like Star Wars. Like when they... Star, yeah. yeah, when they... Second edition. Yeah, I played... West End games. Well, I did play West End games, but I also played the d20 version when wizards oh, yeah. took over I, yeah i had that one too we played it i think and it was once. really funny because uh we were i think uh we were i think charles was at this event too we were all playing over at matt stacy's house and <laughs> name uh, drop. yeah name drop <laughs> there's only like thirty thousand on facebook find him uh, <laughs> but uh we were over at his house playing the game, and all of a sudden he gets an emergency phone call and has to get up and leave. And we're like at his house, finished. He's like, "All right, guys, just finish the game. You know, got it. Duty calls. I gotta go." And like he wow. left. <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> awkward. Like, do, do we finish? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So um, my character for this one, <laughs> I mean. Fans of the show have been, you know, been with us since the beginning. Know how much I'm an Apple geek, and uh, <laughs> I just decided to go ahead and play that up with this character because he is essentially Sir Johnny Ive, the uh, the main, like the, the the senior vice president of design at Apple. If you've ever listened to an Apple event or seen some of their commercials and stuff, you probably have heard Johnny Ive's uh, British accent as he tells you all about the 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 materials of this device are some of the most delicate material. You know. So anyway, so I am going. I base my character off of Sir Johnny Ive. He has the icon template or the icon theme, which means that he's like really famous and he's a mechanic. An are, exocortex mechanic. So, are I'm, you I'm, are, are you going to do that voice the whole time at the table? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, I'm gonna, no, I'm, you know what would be cool? Do that voice the entire time. I and mean, we don't know these people. You could just like <laughs> like pretend to be another person. <laughs> like, that would just be no, awesome. No. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I, I did that once at a summer camp, and I got stuck in English accent. Like I, I couldn't get out of it. I've been doing it for for like three days, and I was like, dang, how do we go back to normal? <laughs> But uh, <laughs> sorry, guys, I was faking. He's faking. He's not a real American. He's trying to do an American accent now. You know, it's like no, no, really. It's not even a good American accent. It's not this how is we Alabama. Talk. You sound like you're from Illinois. Yeah. So um, anyway, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna listen to a lot of Johnny Ive stuff between now and next week, and uh, and really try to get down the way he talks. He get, He's real intense about the things that he talks about, so I'm going to try to get that down. But And what you're working on some sort of like pilot or something, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to do a ace pilot operative. Mm. And Fun. So you're like the rogue. Well, he's not really a rogue. He's more of like, he's just like a, uh, not a thief, but like he can like, manipulate computer systems to do his thing and you know especially when right, it comes right. to piloting and stuff like that so he's just a skilled person let's just say that. that's cool he's got skills that's awesome 
Yeah, well, operatives have a lot of skills. Yeah, so I, I mean, what I'm excited to see is you know Charles. Charles tells us it stinks, man. You're gonna hate it. So I'm like, all right, well, let's, we'll we'll find out. So when we, yeah, we want we'll we we still will not have been next week uh, when we do the recording for the show, but the week after we will have been, and I'm sure we'll have <laughs> whether it was garbage or whether it was good. Of course, there's one other going with us. So we, it's, there's three of us versus three strangers on this table. So I say versus as if we're against each other. We're not, but I mean, <laughs> I, we're bringing a lot of fun and fun to our side of the table anyway, because we do know each other. So it will be like playing with a group, you know, playing with our own group, even though there's three strangers. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I like I've said I think on Wild Shape or something one time. You know I pretty much always am the storyteller slash game master slash dungeon master every single time we play something, and I I very very rarely get to play. So I'm looking forward to uh, to this experience. So that'll be cool. Well, we uh, we talked last week all about adventure paths, uh, for lack of a better term in the game of exalted whether or not they would work we came up with one you know just kind of not a not a fully fleshed out one of course but one that we could one that we could kind of talk about in this in the space of a show and we threw out there in the show itself we asked for some feedback but then also on social media and whatnot we put up some polls to find out you know what folks are interested in there was a couple discussions started on the onyx path official forums and we're just kind of looking over all that, trying to tabulate the data and figure out, you know, what sort of trends or whatever are developing. And I'd say people are actually, uh, <laughs> feelings are mixed. The opinions are pretty much split, kind of right down the middle uh, when you look at some of the results of the polls and whatever else and, and just kind of counting counting folks that responded one way or another on the forums and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, some people really like the idea of doing like a full fleshed out adventure path kind of a thing for Exalted, but a, a lot of other people actually, actually more than I expected, more than I would have hoped, uh, are kind of in another camp that seem to think that, you know, some sort of much more open-ended thing would be a better way to publish quote unquote adventures for Exalted. And I, I saw the... I saw the suggestion come up multiple times, something like, well, maybe all you really need is like a, you know, a detailed location and a collection of enemies slash NPCs and just kind of let things happen. And, uh, I mean, folks were, folks were sort of passionate about that particular way of doing things. Uh, personally, that's like way outside of what I want. Uh, I would want like a fully fleshed out adventure that I could build a character for that story and just get all into it and have the full details of what's going down. But a lot of people seem to feel like the power level of solar exalted, especially just ruins your ability to make plans. Uh, what do you think about all that, Jim? How, how do you, how do you, how did all that stuff simmer with you over the week? I think I remember hearing somewhere that someone had a hard time believing that a group of five solars could ever lose a fight. And I was like, well, right. I mean, the the book kind of tells me a fight where 300 solars lost you know <laughs> i mean right. it is possible and yeah. um i mean as a storyteller i mean pretty much you have free reign to make i mean you have the tools to create any kind of you know monster or being which i'm not saying just go out there and make things just to defeat your player characters um, right but 
if the story doesn't have some form of challenge, then why are you doing it? Like, you know, yeah. no one no one goes and plays the uh, teaching math game on the computer that you played in the second grade. I mean, you play this really extremely hard game, which is really funny because when sometimes I'd be playing some video game or something and like, I get angry. I'm like, gosh, this game's... Ugh! And my wife's like, well, why do you play it? I'm like, because I want to beat it. You know, <laughs> I want to beat the game. I want to say I accomplished it. So, yeah, although there has I, to be some challenge in it. I feel like my own personal taste in video games and whatever is a little more in line with what people are thinking about for Solars because the, the, the way that I enjoy a game the most is if is if it feels like it's difficult, but I never had to retry the challenge. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like for instance, uh, I was playing through Pillars of Eternity sometime in this last year. I was playing some Pillars of Eternity. And I I don't ever like to lo- like reload, restart the game because I got whooped in a fight. And then try, try that fight a different way. You know, because Pillars of Eternity is one of those Infinity Engine games where you have to pause, you know, issue commands, unpause, watch it happen, all that kind of stuff. And it's right. just so tedious to like redo the same fights over and over and over again. And, uh, and I don't ever really want that. I, I want to like go in there and feel like, dang, I just escaped by the skin of my teeth, but I still got through it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so I, I kind of like the fact that in Exalted, you know, your, your characters are, they, they do kind of have a win button when you can just like, you know, pour on all the essence and stuff like that. And so I would think that I would never want to create a challenge in an AP that, was like so difficult that it's going to cause a total party kill or, I mean, I, oh, I would no, no, no. I understand what you're saying on that. Yeah. But, I, with what they were referring the, to is the, the big fact final that had, fight needs to have some feeling yeah, of, yeah. we could lose this, right. but we were probably not, but well, and you can always, I think with exalted, you can always beat the player characters by adding a few more combatants and not making them into a battle group. <laughs> All you got to do is start multiplying those onslaught penalties and stuff. But but uh but yeah, I uh I don't know. You know, a lot of people were talking like uh I saw I saw there was like a complaint about the fact that we had in one of our scenes that the and this is really goes to like what you what you were talking about there with the the solars uh, always winning and uh, the fact that like we had the airship go down in season four, I think, or whatever, and, and the fact that it was like a, a fight that was designed for for the solars to kind of lose it for the ship to go right. down or whatever. And yeah. uh, you know, people said, "Oh, you could be, uh, you know, if you had a, a crafter, a solar crafter on your team, you could just immediately fix the ship or whatnot." And I'm like, "Well, I do think that there, that it probably is possible." I mean, first of all, like I I think I said on the Onyx Path forum. The, uh, the ship itself is not a solar. And so while solars are going around doing amazing things, people can still be attacking that ship. Enemies can be attacking that ship and it can just be going down, right? Right. right. And it goes down behind enemy lines. The, the jungle's like full of enemies when you hit the ground. And you're really, your only option is retreat. You know, maybe you give everybody a couple of levels of, of, of damage in the, in the crash so that they're already dealing with some minuses. And then they just, you know, the only, you want to make it where it looks like the only option is retreat. And I don't think that that's uh, I mean, you could say that's railroading. Well, it is railroading in a sense, uh, but I, but that's using a term that I think uh, isn't a bad thing. Like designing an adventure that has these like twists and turns, and walking people through those twists and turns 
is not I don't I don't think that should be viewed as as bad. That should be viewed as building drama, building the story. And so right. if you have to I mean, if you look again, at it that way, just having a storyteller is yeah, railroading. Exactly. You know, it's like it's like does, uh you're does sitting he do any prep bar. before it's he like comes to the game? The uh the the waitress comes up and asks you your drink. Why are you railroading me? Why did she come and ask me for a drink at this particular moment in time? It's like right. dude, okay, she does it. <laughs> you know, I don't. Well, know. now that's railroading me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, how about you just tell me what happens to your character, and I'll write it down. Yeah, and maybe <laughs> you know, maybe I, I was thinking a lot about this. Maybe there's just like a pretty big difference between people that grew up one way, uh, you know, it, exposed to certain types of things, and people that grew up another way. Like, uh, you remember we were talking at one point in the past about how our friend Jason back in high school used to do uh, vampire games where. You know, he would say like, all right, you're in the Kmart parking lot. You're vampires. And there's a bunch of, you know, these jocks or whatever over here. They, you know, they hate you. What do you want to do? And just kind of, I mean, in that kind of a game, he's, he's set it up in such a way that the players are like almost entirely telling the story. Right. 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 They're deciding exactly what they want to do. And he's just pretty much there to roll dice for any enemies that he's probably creating on the fly, you know? Yeah, and, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people, that's their experience with role playing games. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that everybody that that um, didn't want, you know, all those people who who said they didn't want an adventure path, that they're doing something like that, and that's bad, and therefore you don't have a good experience. But I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a, a situation where somebody would kind of uh, rebel, not rebel, but yeah, there would be some friction between the idea of a fully fleshed out written story and a person who played role-playing games like the way Jason played role-playing games, right? If right. you grew up doing that, or that's your, been your experience for 10, 15 years or whatever, and now somebody goes, well, here's this thing, and every single thing's written out for you, I can imagine where that would be, um, you know, it would chafe because yeah. that's just not the way you play. Whereas, like, you and I have played the kind of way where man, I want the whole thing written out for me. And even when I, when I design my own games, I write the whole thing out, you know, I plan out, I put, put all the different encounters, put all the enemies I have, you know, if they get here and this happens, this person says this and that, like I write all that stuff out beforehand as if I'm writing an adventure path for my players. So when people say to me, I don't even know how an adventure path would work in a game like Exalted. I'm like, that's essentially what I do when I play is I write that out so i don't don't, like like how else are you supposed to do this you know like i just don't even understand when you write it out yourself you just you give yourself a couple of crib notes and stuff like that and if they do this okay here's this but it's not fleshed out like you would present to a another person like here here's the story it's like i don't understand what this hieroglyphics is um but yeah there's a little more work involved when you're writing like a published adventure path because you know you're basically taking your story and you have to kind of just drop some hints if the characters do this then you could kind of do this but basically you want to steer them a little bit back this way and i guess that's railroading but i mean are you do you want to kill the bad guy or do you just want to go do something else yeah because i mean we could do that too if that's what you want to do but right uh you know sometimes well the characters get involved in the story and once everybody's like bought into the story it's it's really fun right but yeah it's i could see how someone who who was playing that type of game 
would feel like they're being boxed in right. playing a game that has like a plot. Right. But see, I just keep thinking back to like our uh, our Dragon Blooded game on Deep Wild back in the day where you know, we were playing this group of uh, this this group of Dragon Bloods who essentially report to Kadal Labak Omegar, one of the uh, one of the higher-ups in the Ladal household. And one of them was his son. One of them had been adopted by him, and another one had been was a part of the house, or uh, you know, but he was not quite as intimate as the other two to the to the leader. But still, they all had signed on to be a right. part of this like secret operative group, and they received their orders from the top, right? And so, like when we designed characters, we designed them to fit within that rubric, and then like I mean, I wrote the story out as if it were an adventure path, and never once does it, you know did you guys like break the story? It, it went like essentially exactly the way I had planned it. And, and, you know, of course I adapt a little bit here and there, but you do that if you're doing an adventure path anyway, you know, so correct. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I don't know. So all my experience has been get the story fully written out, whether somebody else wrote it or whether you wrote it and then play through it and adapt to changes. I mean, it's to me, there is zero difficulty with that. And I don't understand when people say you can't do that. Like, I just don't understand it at all. It does not compute. I'm like, Come play at my house and let's let's see if like like I want to see like what's different about the way you play than the way I play. But you know, <laughs> <coughs> but anyway, yeah. So interesting, interesting results there. Uh, you know, kind of neat to get the pulse of what the folks are feeling out there, and a uh, little bit of surprising result. But at the same time, I mean, I think it's interesting just to kind of tell us where people are with this game and whatnot. And um, I mean, you do see a lot of interest. That we saw a lot of interest both in uh, our own thread and then one that Brilliant Rain created where he was talking about, you know, what if he wrote stuff and what would people want to see? And you see a lot of uh, positive feedback to that, people wanting some of these things. So uh, we'll, we'll keep looking at that. We'll keep seeing what's, um, you know, maybe what we could do. I mean, every, you know, there's kind of going to be an open season here with this uh, Storyteller's Vault. And so we'll see how things start to shake out once once that really gets going full swing. But... But speaking of the adventure path thing that we created last week, our main bad guy and a lot of the enemies throughout the entire thing were these dragon kings, flying dragon kings. Uh, non, the main bad guy was like a non-flying dragon king. We talked about the po- uh, possibility of there being others around, and so we thought it'd be cool this week because we 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 realized that some people are just coming into Exalted for the first time with third edition. And didn't really have as much uh, contact with a lot of the stuff in first and second edition. And so some people may not be super familiar with what the Dragon Kings are. And they're such a cool part of the setting that I thought it'd be fun for us just to just to spend a little time talking about the Dragon Kings themselves. And so uh, just kind of to get us, get us started off here, we'll just kind of meander through some of their history, some of what they can do and that kind of thing. But... Kind of interesting that the dragon kings, they're 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 like dinosaur people or dragon people, for lack of a better term. I mean, in in Dungeons and Dragons, I think fourth edition, they made dragonkin a standard playable race, and the dragon kings of Exalted are not very different from that, especially in the way that they look. I know in power and everything else they are different, but in the way that they look, they they do look kind of like a bipedal. Uh, dinosaur or dragon person scales, you know, slitted eyes, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, pretty cool. But they, in the, in the, in the story of exalted, they were the first intelligent race created by the gods 
to rule over the threshold of creation while the gods ruled on the Blessed Isle and the primordials ruled in Yushan. So this is an interesting, interesting aspect is that the gods created the Dragon Kings and the primordials created humans. And I think that that's pretty interesting. I mean, what do you think about that from a conceptual standpoint, Jim? That the fact that, I mean, is it weird that humans are creations of these enemies of the gods, but still sided with them against their their creators? Whereas like the Dragon Kings were, were creations of the gods and, you know, they, they, they also sided with the gods against the primordials. But like, why did humans... I mean, is that, is that weird? I think that's a very interesting part of the story. I think it has a little bit to do with um, that, that, that the celestial gods exalted humans and humans became, basically the exalts became a, more, a higher power level than the, than the dragon kings. You know, even when, like, I think it says somewhere that the Dragon Kings can, like, become the Chosen by getting possessed by a lesser god. Right. And um, and that's where the humans actually got the name for Exalted, was that their, their masters, the Dragon Kings, who was ruling over them, used that term. And then the gods, I don't know. I mean, maybe the gods kind of shifted... You know, they're what they what they were thinking, or I don't know. Well, I well guess it's very possible that their creations couldn't couldn't successfully fight against the primordials in the same way that they couldn't successfully fight against the primordials. Uh, yeah, so, that's so. Yeah, they exalted the primordials' creation. Right. They go reach out to humans and do that because the primordials created them, but left like kind of the back door. You know, like the the exhaust port and the Death Star. <laughs> the, <laughs> the fact that humans weren't governed by that same you know, Gius or whatever that bound the gods from, from attacking them. So maybe the gods, as they created the dragon Kings, they, they couldn't make them in such a way as to be, to be combatants for their namesake or whatever. So they have to reach out to the humans. So anyway, I just think it's, I just think it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool that the gods, like the dragon Kings are the gods, special creations, but it ends up being humanity that, you know, do, do the gods main work of this rebellion and then kind of then become their, their new vicars of creation. You know, the exalted then are the ones that rule over creation instead of the dragon Kings. Right. So, but, uh, there, there, tell us about the, the four different races. Cause there are, there are four different types, one for each direction. Right. Which is actually kind of cool. Right. Um, Basically, and I knew you would give me the one where I had to read off a list of names. <laughs> of course, that's, that's the way we do it here on the deliberative. So Jim yeah, gets to read the hard names. Just for, <laughs> we're just going to keep it in. And if I get it incorrect, then uh, you just correct me. All I have right. no idea how to pronounce these things. They're all, you know, made up names. I, your, your guess is as good as anybody else's. <laughs> I would think that the Mossock of the mm. West. Yeah. Um, then you have the Anklok of the South, the Petrok of the North, and the Raptok of the East. What right. do you think? think well, that's a good... well, I think, yeah, I think you pronounce it right. But yeah, I mean, like, the differences, though, I mean, like, you know, the, the Petrok or whatever, you know, sounds like Pteranodon, Pterodactyl, yeah. whatever. And those guys are the winged ones. 
the ones from the, the which which makes sense because that's like the air direction, right? So right. in the air direction, the dragon kings from that side they can fly. So that's you know kind of cool. And the, similarly with the Mosok, they're they're like watery creatures. You know they they can swim really well. They have fins and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and in the south with the Anklok, you know you got these like heavily armored, you know sand dwelling. They're the coolest looking ones, by the way, the Anklok, I think. And they're the ones that look most like the uh, Dragonkin from Dungeons and Dragons. And then the Raptok, who kind of look a little silly uh, from the way that they're drawn. They have like these long necks or whatever. Uh, but, the, of course, Raptok kind of throws back to the word raptor. And they're, you know, you think about Jurassic Park and the raptors and the trees, you know, clever girl and all that kind of stuff. That's what these guys yeah. are, just like fast running, moving through the trees, all that kind of so. Neat that there are these different types, you know, gives you a little variety. If you're going to play a dragon blooded game, you can, you know, and in, in, in second edition, they had character creation rules for, you could play all these things, uh, which was just awesome. I mean, that was like a hallmark of second, second edition. It's like, you can play anything. We will put character creation rules for a cockroach. If you want to play a cockroach, you know? And so <laughs> they, uh, they gave you the option to do all this different stuff. So I thought that was really cool because a lot of times like, you know, exalted, they, you, you miss out on like the race choice or now in Pathfinder second edition, we call it ancestry because I guess the word race is uh, developing a connotation that we don't want to use anymore. But, um, but I've, I've actually never liked the word race to begin with, especially when it deals with humanity, because I think we're all one race anyway. And it's silly to use the word race to talk about different divisions and whatnot. But, uh, but in D and D it makes sense because this guy's a dwarf and this guy's an elf and that guy's a human and this one's a half orc, you know? So, um, but anyway, right. you didn't ever have that choice in exalted really. I mean, you could choose to be one of those Panda people like Faka Coon, uh, but you, there, you know, other than that, there weren't a whole lot of choices. You could, you could pick a skin, skin color, hair color, but that was Our about be- it. Beastman would probably be. Yeah, a- Beastman would be the clo- yeah the closest kind of analog to that. But most people just played humans, so you know it was kind of cool. You get into the Dragon Kings, and now here you go, you can pick you know four different types, and that's exciting to some people. Like my my kids, like they never want to play a human in like any of the games that we play. And one of the first things they said when we were sitting down to make characters for Exalted was like, "What else is there?" <laughs> like, well, like not a lot you know like you want to be one of these panda spotted people you know uh but yeah that, so that i don't know i just thought that was kind of cool that there was these four different types which is pretty neat and uh they built in the east the city of rothes which is uh still there to this day it's still i mean i think even in the third edition book they talk about rothes a little bit it was the home of the greatest temple of the unconquered sun in all of creation the great pyramid of the sun and uh, and then after after the dragon blood reign when humanity started kind of taking over rothes even was still like the capital of the human government of creation at least for a little while before it moved to mount meru on the blessed isle but uh, but rothes i mean so so these guys were really really important in like the prehistory of exalted uh, prior to the primordial war which is where most of them died, but right. they have, um, they've got like a, a really neat way of, uh, there, there's, there's a neat thing that happens to them. They, they grow, they live a long time. They live like 300 years, 250 years, something like that. And they learn all this stuff. Then they get reincarnated. Like there is is specifically a race of like 
every time one dies, one's born, right? It's a very, very strict reincarnation kind of a thing. And, but when they're born, they are like wild animals and they have to be taught methodically over the course of many years who they were in the, in the past, where they belong in their society and all of this kind of stuff. So in the shakeup following the, the primordial war, a lot of these guys were just left wild. They didn't have the infrastructure and the, the, you know, just the, the society to be able to raise up the young ones to learn who they were and what their culture is. And so they ended up just kind of all becoming feral. Well, one thing that I thought was really cool about these guys' reincarnation uh, process mm-hmm. was that, you know, once they are like subdued and, you know, brought back into the this form of intelligence, like, you know, basically it takes like, you have to like, you know, house them in so they can't like go out and just kill a bunch of people. And then you like right. slowly like, but they're, they're not fully, but they are reintroduced to their old selves. And a yeah. lot of their old memories come back. Like I think every, every one of them is born knowing their name, like right. who they were, but they don't know all the details, but they kind of, basically they have to like retrain them to do their job. Yeah. And they're like, and this is what you've been doing for thousands of years. Like, oh yeah, I remember that. Like, right. not all the details, but it it said in the second edition, uh, Scroll of the Fallen Races, that their pre incarnate lives play much bigger of a role than like Solar Exalts pre incarnations right. do. Like, they remember a lot more than than would actually come back to a solar. So that right. was pretty cool. That is cool. Well, and, and I think it's because it's a more it's a more direct reincarnation than what you have in a solar. I, I think of a solar, you know, the 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 idea of reincarnation, I don't even think that's really uh, an, an appropriate word when it comes to what solars get, because what's really happening is there's like a the spirit of the exaltation has touched all these different lives, but it's not like one person being reincarnated over and over again. It's more like what you see, or at least this is the way I imagine it. The it's avatar? more like what you see in Avatar. Yeah, Avatar yeah. or Korra <laughs> or whatever, where the 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 Avatar spirit has touched all these different people down through the ages. And so you can like look back and go, oh, Avatar Aang, what did you do? Or, oh, Avatar Roku or Avatar what Kyoshi. And like you can look back and kind of see what happened back in those days and get some wisdom from that person, but it's Man, not that like would, that, that was would me. be a cool scene to do in a role playing game where a exalt like encounters a former version of himself that like you know imparts some kind of knowledge that moves him along in the story. Right? right. Man, that would be cool. It is cool. I, I think so. Yeah, that's awesome. Because those, I mean, that's a cool part of that whole Avatar Korra universe is just the fact that she's got that wisdom until the the spirit of Rava is somehow destroyed on oh, no, spoiler alert. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but that, so, so that's pretty neat. It's really neat kind of thing. And then, you know, of course, like I said, now they're, they're scattered throughout creation, mostly in the East, but they, uh, they're for the, for the most part, they're like feral. And, but what's neat about the setting is that there are a fairly large number in the hundreds, maybe of these like ancient dragon Kings, who put themselves in like a magical stasis pod kind of a deal to wait for like a future generation where they could wake back up and start rebuilding their civilization. So, you know, that's a huge plot hook. There are these things everywhere. Yeah. 
where these these you know these that do have all their memories they are civilized folk they can come back and start teaching others who they are and reminding them of who they used to be and whatnot so i think that's really cool really cool to build into your stories you know some some encounters with these guys so well, very I, think I remember seeing that it said that you know during these big uh, I don't want to say global. It's a flat world there. Uh, <laughs> but these big, uh, these big events that took place in creation, like the uh, usurpation and the uh, Shogunate era and the contagion and all that stuff, that these guys they put themselves in these basically like sleep chambers, thinking yeah. that it would only be like a hundred or two hundred years, right? But they're still asleep, you know, and they've yeah. never been awakened. It's got like a it's got like a cool like Star Trek Rathacon Botany Bay vibe to it, you know. Like you could you could run across something in your in your adventures in your travels where you find these sleeping things and you bring them you, you wake them up and uh, crazy things <laughs> and they're ensue. intelligent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just did did you watch the old Star like the original Star Trek show where they ran across the Botany Bay? Uh, it was in an episode, and then of course they made Wrath of Khan was like the follow up to that episode. Right, it's it's been a while, but yeah, I did see the the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, yeah. So that was, it was just like a ship floating in the in, in the Botany Bay episode. It was like a ship floating in space, and there's all these like ancient people who have been like in in sleep stasis for for a long time, and turns out they were like really strong and had a lot of ability and whatnot, and you know it ends up turning out. You know, Khan yeah, they're they're kind of like like the dragon blood. I yeah. mean, not the dragon blood, but the dragon kings. Yeah, in a sense that they're like these superhumans. Where, yeah, um, it was like what is it like almost at the end of humanity where they had these big great wars and they started making these super soldiers and then exactly they yeah put them all into stasis and sent them off into space and right. Yeah, they're a little ticked when they wake, yeah. when they wake up and find out. And, and they're, then, they're, there's like they're friends at first in the episode, but then sure enough, it turns into like big time, you know, rivalry a little bit later on. So I could imagine that story playing out in Exalted. Well, game too. they were kind of genetically predisposed to uh, to, to conquer. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, exactly. okay, well, we're gonna go take over and rule you people. Like, <laughs> and, okay, <laughs> and the dragon kings were very used to killing and sacrificing humans, you know, and their temples and whatnot. So they might view them as like slaves and food, and you know, so right. So you know, they might be grateful that you woke them up to start with, but then later on, they're gonna start ordering you around because you're the lesser species, you know. So yeah, there there could be some really cool stories there. And speaking of their technology, so you know, they they built these sleep chambers and whatnot, and they were it was like a very technologically advanced civilization prior to the primordial war and whatnot and they had some really cool technology uh of using like plants and crystals techno druids <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> you, know, you know like it's, it's pretty cool like uh you know you think about how like our technology advances step by step but we're always like iterating on what we're already doing right so we we make an iPhone, then we make an iPhone four, then we make an iPhone seven, you know, like, and, and we, we keep like progressing down the road of what we've already started. But if you somehow like cataclysmically, like boom, like wiped out current civilization, technology might er like evolve in a different way as society begins to rebuild itself. Like maybe this time it's not based on the silicon semiconductor, but is instead based on, you know, some sort of biological you know, engineering or whatnot. And so I, I kind of feel like that's a, that's sort of a theme here with the, with the dragon Kings versus, you know, 
this this sort of Asian fantasy uh, you know, artifacts and technology and all that you know Magitech, although that's an old that's a second edition term, but you know like they developed in a completely different way. They built things out of plants and they built things out of crystals and they had books that were like embedded into these crystals. In fact, we used one of those in that uh, in that unearthed story. We right. uh, we had to go find one in in sort of the the sewers, the dungeons, whatever beneath Charoscuro, and it was like a book that was written in a crystal by a dragon king back before the first age. And so, um, so yeah, pretty some pretty cool stuff. And then their magic, like their power, like their kind of charms, although they don't call them charms, uh, they call them paths of draconic enlightenment which i think is just so i love the way exalted names things i mean it's (laughs) the paths of draconic enlightenment and in those paths there are 10 paths of pre-human mastery and then there are the five dark paths and uh their magical abilities are called steps along that path and they're they're very much elemental uh so these feel they, they feel somewhat similar to the dragon bloods and I guess they should, since they both start with dragon. But uh, you, know, <laughs> you got this, you got this elemental feel to all of their different magical abilities and whatnot. And I think it's, uh, I think it's actually a cool way that they've set all these up in this, uh, in you know, the way that they call them paths, and yeah. they, you have to like learn them in order, right? You learn step one, then you learn step two, then you learn step three. It's so neat that in in like how different it is than the way exalts learn their charms where you just have you know all these different abilities or all these different attributes and the charms well, based what's, on those. what's funny is um it's exactly how you described our technology because their well paths are built uh linear like step 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 right. like you take step step you know it's right. but whereas their technology is a little a little different but yeah it's yeah. uh yeah, you have to learn one before you learn the other, and it's like in each step like along branches, the way, like we have in um, yeah, it's not a tree. Trees. Yeah, it's not a tree; it's a path. And uh, and what's cool is it doesn't it doesn't really represent uh, growing power or growing skill. It represents growing enlightenment, like like philosophy. Like you've unlocked these secrets of the of the world, and because you've unlocked the secret, you now have the ability to do. A little more right and so i just think it's very cool and it, and it actually reminds me a lot of the way uh powers are built in other world of darkness game or you know other as if exalted is a world of darkness game in the world of darkness <laughs> games right like you think about like the disciplines of vampire and whatnot or the gosh it's been so long since we've done change like i can't even remember what you call their their discipline like abilities or whatever but you have to like you learn the first dot then you learn the second dot then you learn the third dot and and each dot along the path gives you more and more ability that you get to use and so that's very similar to what's going on with the dragon kings here they feel very white wolfy you know which is cool which is cool and then so they have these 10 paths of pre-human mastery there are two for each element so five elements, two for each element, that makes up ten. And then they also have the five dark paths, which it's pretty cool. The dark paths are also elemental, but they are elemental in the in the sense of like necromancy elemental. You know, like the um, the liminals have this like five five dead elements, <laughs> for lack of a better term. <laughs> you know, they're like um, ash, blood. 
bone, pyre flame, and void, right? So those are right. like the same kinds of things that you see when you look at like the liminals, which uh, I think that's neat that there's, you know, with the Dragon Kings, you got a little bit of connection to the Dragon Bloods with the with the uh, earth wind fire water whatever wood and then you've got a little connection to the liminals with this ash blood bone you know pyre flame void kind of stuff so i, I think that's kind of neat how they stride that that gap there between those two yeah and before the um um the the gods rebelled against their masters we didn't have these paths because the underworld just didn't exist oh yeah all right so these are like a new thing after yeah. the war yeah yeah, exactly. And uh, they have, of course, just like everything else, they've got really cool names. So like, you know, the pre-human mastery ones, they, they have names like the growing wood path and the shaping wood path. And then these like dark paths, they have, you know, the <laughs> just just like the abyssal names for everything are like more right. flowery even than the, <laughs> the solar names or whatever. They have like the coagulated Eucharist path, <laughs> which that's, <laughs> that's got to be the best, the best one. And the technomorphic transcendence path. So some very, very cool stuff here. And, uh, and I love, I love the flavor of their powers. And, uh, and, and I thought what would be cool is we could, we would each like pick uh, one of the steps on the path of pre-human mastery and one of the steps on the dark path, just kind of highlighted as being something cool. So I'll start out. I picked first the vault breaching method from the flowing water path, just to kind of talk about for a second. Cause I think this is so cool. This is the three dot with the third, the third step along the path of the flowing water path. And it's called vault breaching. And what's really cool is what, what you can do is you can reach an arm or an appendage or whatever, like through thin walls to like get to the other side. So you imagine like, you know, you come up on a, like a locked door where the, you know, it's latched from the other side or barred from the other side or whatever. And you can just like reach your hand through the door and just lift the bar or like unlatch the latch or whatever. Right. But also it says one of the things you can do is like, you can, you can put your face through the wall so that you could like see on the other side. <laughs> I mean, I just imagine that, you know, just all of a sudden something like two people are sitting in this room, they're talking and this like, you know, dinosaur face looking thing just kind of goes like, like comes through the wall. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, to me, that was just so cool. And just, yeah, again, if it's those the raptors whole... in Jurassic Park had that power, oh, they man. wouldn't have been able to hold them back with that door. That's right. See <laughs> that you want to re- be, really be a clever girl. You need to walk the flowing water path. That's right. Yeah. So, and again, this is one of those things that like, I like, like I talk about all the time, like the immovable rod effect, right? This is the thing that it just gives you so much freedom to come up with cool solutions to problems and that kind of stuff. So that's why I liked it so much. Which one did you kind of pick out? Well, the one I picked out for the pre-human mastery was, um, form another breed. And that is from the shaping wood path. And what I really like about this is that you know there's four different i guess uh breeds of the dragon kings you know you got the flying ones you got the ones out in the water you got the raptor kind over in the east and well basically what you can do is when you activate this you will change into another breed now you will still look like yourself like so you won't be able to like um disguise yourself as someone right. else you'd still look like who you were right but you would gain the abilities of the other breeds so if you turn into the Tarak, 
and you would actually gain the ability to fly. And then if you became like a Mozok, uh, you would lose the ability to fly, but um, get you all would the gain, like, yeah, you would get like the strength and the stamina and the excellent right. swimming ability that they have. Right. And your natural attacks change as well. So I think this is just so cool that you could like transform to the breed that um, best suits the situation you're in. And right. it lasts the entire scene. So it almost makes me think like, I don't know if you ever watched this. Uh, when this was popular, you didn't have boys at the time, but my son was so into Ben 10 alien force, you know, uh, yeah. where I remember ben, that being a he thing. had, just, yeah, yeah he saw. had the watch where he could select all these different aliens. So right. he would like change it to the one that best suited the needs. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of times it was really cool. It's almost like he got an artifact that he didn't know how to use. Right. So sometimes he would change to an alien that it wasn't what he was thinking. Like, right. but, and he would have to learn to adapt and use that alien to, it's really a good show. I think you would like it, but you know, like yeah. I said, you didn't have boys at the time when that was popular. Right. Yeah. That sounds cool. Well, that's neat. That's a neat one. Uh, and then we each picked one of the dark paths too to kind of take a look at an example. And so, I picked the coagulated Eucharist path, which is the blood one. So this is like the blood element. And again, I picked the three dot in this one. And this one is called the finger of nightmares. And (laughs) like the instant I read this, I was just like, that is the coolest thing ever. So what happens is whenever you take a hit that actually like does some damage and like cuts your skin, you can make the blood flowing from that wound turn into like a whip tentacle that can like whip out and do like lethal damage, but it can also grapple. It says like, so like your blood leaking out of this wounds, like and like wraps this dude up. And if they do get grappled by it, you like, you can pour your lust and your fear into that tentacle. And it act, they have to like try to resist that. Yeah. It's super (laughs) cool. So just like, don't cut the dragon King boys because he's going to turn into like some kind of weird blood whipping thing. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, talk about awesome. That's awesome. And it feels very, that feels like a lot of the old abyssal charms too. I mean, it just, you know, that was, I thought that was very cool. Which one did you pick? Well, what I, I really liked, I, I mean, I just love the entire technomorphic transcendence path. That, that is a very cool path. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome. But if I had to pick one of the steps, it's the skeletal fusion technique. And it says you, uh, you can meld wet uh metal to bone and basically like you can like put artifacts into your body where they become part of your body and like become like your natural attacks so oh man i'm thinking like in third edition like you have this unarmed combat but if you like put your fingers as like daggers or something you know, melded them in. Do they right. now count as unarmed attacks? Because it's actually part of your natural ability now. So, um, oh yeah, it actually says it in the uh, in the thing here. Uh, <laughs> now that I, th- it says, well, weapons grafted by this charm can be wielded with martial arts and counted as natural attacks. So, yeah, wow, that's awesome. they thought of that question before I asked yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is super cool I, I picture like this clockwork 
looking dragon king with all these like parts and pieces and you know not just weapons and armor right but imagine uh grafting in these really cool artifacts that just let you do this really unique stuff yeah that that's very cool these guys have a lot of they got a lot of character to them there's a lot of neat stuff about the dragon kings and I really hope that they bring them into third edition with the same kind of just awesome flair that they did in second edition. But so far, the only thing that we have about them is the jungle stalker in the hundred devils night parade. That's like the only uh, vestige of the dragon Kings that, that is so far in third edition. So if you, if you go out and grab that particular uh, issue or whatever you want to call it of the uh, hundred devils night parade, they have like, it's like a, it's one of the wild ones that has not remembered who they are. It has a little bit of like the, uh, the elemental powers. Like it's got a few little things that it can do. And it says in there that you can develop your own, you know, charms and things for them. And I guess you could always use second edition as kind of a guideline of how that, how that looks. But, but I hope we hope to see more. So, you know, we, we used dragon Kings as the primary antagonists in our exalted adventure path that we designed last week's show. But, <clears throat> Sorry, but what are some of the other ways that you might want to use these in a game? I mean, would you be interested in playing one of these uh, instead of say like one of the exalted? I mean, would it, would it be? Would you think that that would be something that you know that that would interest you? I'm talking to you, Jim. I mean, would would you be interested in playing one of these over and above one of the exalted, or you know, at least I give think, it a try in a game or something? I think it would be really cool to like start an adventure where you and the other players at the table wake up out of your long slumber in, um, and like maybe, maybe you four are the only ones that survived or, um, for some reason, all the other, um, like sleep chambers were open before you and, and you discover that everyone is reverted back to their, um, feral, you know feral versions of themselves right and you have to go and like try to like subdue these people and and try to bring your society back right like that would be fun that would um it would be fun to interact with some of the other exalts like some of the lunars or some of the beast uh beast men on the edge of creation or because you know these guys are going to be to survive with intelligence, I would think they would have to be tucked away somewhere right. where they just couldn't be found for a while, like right. in some ancient tomb or like in the far reaches of creation. Right. But I think it would be fun to play them. They just seem, they seem really cool. Yeah, they um, do. it, And I think they would make a really good, like, I mean, I think it would be fun to do a game where, you know, all, all three or four or five of you or whatever, wake up at the same time. And, or, you know, one wakes up and wakes the others up and then you go about setting to rebuild your civilization. I think that would be a cool game, but I think it would also be a cool game just to have like, as the story, uh, you know, three solar exalts walk into a, walk into rough S <laughs> sounds like a joke. <laughs> three solar exalts walk into rough <laughs> three solars walk into a strange place. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and they find one of these sleep pods and wake, wake one up. And it's, and it's one of the dragon Kings that has all of their abilities and everything, you know, and and then it's just a, an additional member of the party. I think that yeah, would... I, I would I would scale up that player character to be on par with the Solars because they said that a stronger Dragon King 
is about the same power level or a little bit power, power more powerful than the low, lower end of the egg, the celestial exalt. Right. So right. yeah, I would try to scale them so that they're, because not, nothing's worse than being the weak out outpowered by yeah. everyone else. Sure. Sure. <laughs> But I mean, you and it wouldn't have to be a solar band. It could be like a group of dragon bloods or whatever come in too. And you, you know, however you want to balance that out, so that yeah, like Jim said, you give everybody the feeling that they're kind of on the same level. But I just think that like a mixed group like that, that it would work really well because that dragon king could tell the others what happened to its society, and maybe they could work toward you know finding some more and whatnot, you know. And uh, and, it, and there, there's always that player at your table that really just doesn't want to be a human. They want to be something weird. You know, and of course, lunars really fill in that gap. <laughs> like for my kids, they do. They're like, you know, well, you have to be a human, but you can be a human that changes into a leopard. They're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that that could be a really cool addition to the game. So I really hope that they add those to third edition sooner rather than later because they are an awesome part of the story. Well, um, little, ju- just a little, just a little taste. Just a little taste of the uh, the Dragon Kings for you out there. If you're interested, Second Edition has a great book called The Scroll of Fallen Races that covers the uh, the Deep Ones or what, whatever they call them, the um, the Dwarves. What do they call them again? The Mountain Folk. Mountain Folk. Thank you. Gosh, brain fart there. Yeah, so it <laughs> covers the Mountain Folk and covers the uh, the Dragon Kings, and so uh, go check yeah, that out if you haven't. The Mountain Folk are pretty cool, so. Was that, yeah. that was one of those like flippy books in second edition, wasn't it? Where it has like the mountain folk on one side, then you flip the book upside down and it's got the dragon Kings on the other. It's like two books that meet in the middle. They did oh, that with yeah. the black and white treatise too. It was like the white treatise for the sorcery spells and whatnot was, you know, was on one side. Then you flip the book upside down and read it the other way. And it's the, uh, the necromantic spells or whatnot. That's kind yeah. of a weird way to publish books, but it was cool I at mean, the time. I don't know cool. if that would work anymore. The whole flip it upside down. Well, and well with the PDF viewer, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. work too well. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't. It doesn't. Every time you keep flipping over your device, it keeps spinning the book for you. To <laughs> like, keep what are you doing? Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got, I see, I see a couple of lights blinking on the message machine this morning, but we really only have time for probably one. So we'll leave the second one till next week, but let's go ahead and hear this message. Let me, let me, let me mash this button here. Hold on a second. Hey guys, my name is Carl. I wanted to drop you guys a quick line and let you know how much I'm enjoying the podcast so far. I'm fairly new to Exalted. I first ran into it in a second edition game that went really strong for a while and then flamed out. Some friends of mine and I were talking and we were talking about our RPG White Whales. You know, those games you've always wanted to play but you've never been able to play a full campaign in for whatever reason. And my buddy brought up Exalted as one of the ones that he had always wanted to try. And so I figured, oh sure, I'll give it a shot. I'll run an Exalted game. How hard can it be? That was four months ago, and I want to kick four months ago me. Thankfully, a couple weeks ago, I found your guys' podcast, and I thought you'd appreciate knowing it's working exactly as intended. I'm really enjoying the banter, and I'm really enjoying the examples of play and how to run good Exalted campaigns. I framed out this campaign uh, and actually posted it recently on the Onyx Path forums under the title Neophyte Campaign Method. I obviously still have a lot of questions, but I'll keep it to two quick questions and a comment. My first question is this. This is going to be some of these players' probably only chance to play Exalted. So I would be curious to hear from each one of you 
What are two things that are absolutely essential to experience in the world of creation and as a game featuring Solar Exalted that you just need to have as part of the game? My second question is, for the new GMs running Exalted, what is the biggest noob trap or the biggest thing you wish you had known when you started running the game? And I think that's about it for now. Thanks a lot for all that you guys do. Please feel free to use as much or as little of this message as you want to. And uh, I will hope to hear this on the podcast at some point. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Carl. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the kind words and the encouragement, and also for the questions. So, and for the uh, the martial art, we'll we'll be taking a look at that and and uh, putting that up on five polls here uh, pretty soon. But uh, yeah. for right now, we got these questions. We got a couple of questions. One All does right. not simply critique a martial art without <laughs> playtesting it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. So his two questions that he asked are. If you're, if you're running a game for people, maybe it's their only time getting to, to experience Exalted. What do you absolutely, what do they need to be a part of the game for them to really get a feel for the game? And, um, and then his other question was, what is the biggest noob trap as a, you know, storyteller or whatever, you know, some, some way you could derail the story or whatnot that maybe we could help uh, avoid. Well, as far as the first one goes, what do you absolutely need to be a part of the game? I would say the things that set Exalted apart from other games that you really want to show off are, first of all, I think the artifacts with the evocations is like a big deal. Like give them something really cool in either 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 a, an artifact or a martial art, right? So one of those two things where they can just feel the weird, amazing power that can be wielded. Now, of course, the charms and whatnot, just your normal charm trees, are gonna have a lot of really powerful things. But I think that I think that for me at least, the martial arts and the artifacts, the those, you know, that sort of like unique brand of weirdness that comes from your specialized martial art or your specialized artifact is going to give people a sense of like, whoa, this ain't this ain't my D D anymore. This is something else. <laughs> right. And also I would say make sure you give make sure you do both a battle group fight to show how you can just like quickly lay waste to a bunch of people and a really cool one-on-one fight. But if you do a one-on-one fight and this kind of goes into the noob trap thing too, if you do a one-on-one fight with the whole withering and decisive attacks and all that, don't do it against a, a trivial enemy. Don't put them up against like two or three bad guys from town. If you're going to put them up against like a little gang from town, make sure that's always a battle group because that needs to be handled pretty quickly to be, to, so that they can feel the power of their characters. Whereas the uh, the withering and decisive combat rules, they slow everything way down and it and even if you you even if the solar's going to win against like, you know, the local 17-year-old blacksmith who has no power whatsoever, even if he's going to win, the withering decisive combat rules, the one-on-one combat rules, make that feel like it's taking longer than it should to defeat this easy person. So right. don't use that for those fights. But definitely do bring in somebody of a little higher power level, maybe in essence to Dragon Blood or something to fight, where they can feel that give and take, the back and forth, and... and, uh, and and I would say another thing kind of um, as a part of like the whole noob trap thing, make sure that you and your players both test out the combat a little bit before you start. Do one of the um, do one of the fight club things that we've talked about. Just sit down and practice the fighting a little bit so that you know what the characters can do, what they can take. And oh, and it'll get them. it'll increase your combat speed 
because everyone kind of is familiar with the rules. Just, right. yeah, do a fight club. Have a guy design a character and then say, okay, we're going to put him up against the brigand and yeah. run through the stages of combat. And you'll see that most of the time, unless you like really pour some essence into it, which sometimes you should, um, you're going to see that just the structure system of combat, you'll see that the uh, dragon blood fight and the brigand fight well, sometimes like, hey, that that took just as long to beat a mortal right. as it did to beat a dragon blood. So to build off what Corey said, I would still have them roll dice. Yeah. But if they got a couple of successes, then you know the seventeen-year-old blacksmith is just laid to waste. Right. Because these are, you know, demigods, gods, kind of you know power level guys Superheroes. that you have. Yeah, yeah. and they should. They should not struggle with mortals. Yeah, and one easy way to do that, and, and maybe this isn't as obvious as somebody who's kind of just starting out with it, but uh, is you can turn you can turn the bad guy into a size zero battle group, which that that's like kind of confusing a confusing way of saying just treat it as withering damage is decisive damage. You know, right? Have your withering damage just write down damage onto the damage track, and what usually you'll see happen if you do that is that you kill these things like in one hit. So you go in with your first punch, you throw in 10 extra dice on charms or whatever, and you do eight damage to them and just have it kill them, you know, rather than yeah. have that build up eight points of initiative. And then you have to turn around and try to get a decisive That has a real game. second edition feel to it. You know, that's yeah. how, you know, in you second edition, yeah. waste. <laughs> you just, from, from the first hit, you can lay waste to people. And I think you still should do that if it's just kind of a, if it's not the, if it's not some big enemy, just just ignore the withering decisive have withering damage do decisive damage that's that's essentially what they mean when they say treat it as a size zero battle group and uh, because battle groups don't have uh like they don't do the whole building initiative and decisive i wouldn't hand wave the fight you know people want to roll dice that's they do yeah yeah yeah. let them roll the dice and little you know handle it yeah don't just like don't get to the point where you're just like hand waving combat I, i would still have some mechanic yeah. But you don't want to have the long, drawn-out mechanic of withering decisive against it, a mundane Yeah, because it just doesn't feel epic at that point. Uh, that's right. what we learned in our uh, second part of Episode 1 of Wild Shape when I treated those three, the three enemies outside the, the angry picket as, um, as actual individual combatants instead of as a battle group. It took us three hours to fight them. And it just, and we were so not superheroes in that moment. You know, we were doing cool things. We were flipping over and doing blah, 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 you know, doing all kinds of stunny type things. But in the end, it took us a dang long while to kill those guys. And it just shouldn't. (laughs) What we're suggesting is not something we came up with. It's actually in the book. Right. But I, I have to say that while your brain is trying to process all this, okay, withering, do I do, uh, do I add the, the damage of the, of the weapon here? What, you know, your, your mind is processing all these different rules. You just casually read over the sentence that says, Hey, handle it like this when you're dealing with right. the mortal, you know, like your brain <laughs> just totally turns that off because yeah. you're trying to calculate all this stuff in your head. And when we did that, when we went back and treated those three guys, when we re-recorded that that part of that episode, uh, you know, Jim's character jumps through the wall, makes one attack, and kills all three of them. Just kind of he like fans the hammer on his gun, like cow, cow, cow. they're dead. <laughs> and then we moved on to the more exciting fights with like real bad guys and whatnot, which which is exactly what should have happened, 
right? Right. So right. that's that's a noob trap to, to watch out for. So thanks for the good questions. Thanks for the comments. And uh, we'll we'll take a look at your martial art, put it up on five poles and whatnot. Oh, so. Corey, I did want to comment on what you said at the beginning. Okay. And I'm, I'm kind of commenting because I think you kind of took the ones I would say too. So I'm just kind of adding to what you said. But when you were talking about like the artifacts, yeah. when, you, when we played Unearthed, you gave every one of us a set of power armor <laughs> and you gave us this really cool sub that would yeah. like collapse down and like into the shape of an egg and we could the like razor transport of it. unseen currents. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was so cool. Just, you know, you throw the egg into the water and it turns into a sub and then like, we just swim down in there and like, Oh man, it was, it was so yeah. fun. So yeah. fun. And they like, you know, the battle scenes about to happen and we're strapping on the power armor. Yeah. Oh, it felt so cool. <laughs> yeah. It really felt like, yeah, we're not playing D and D here. This is something else. <laughs> we're about to wreck some folks and boy, did we wreck them. Yeah. So, Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That, and you got to have that too. You know, you let your players feel how much they can just wreck stuff, you know, cause it's very different than D and D. You know, I remember our, some of our like first sessions of D and D with like, you know, level one people and the, the thief tries to break into some house and, uh, and you know, the dog starts barking and he starts running away and the dog's chasing him and it bit him and it actually knocked him unconscious. He was like, <laughs> yeah, he was that. dying from like one bite from like a German shepherd or whatever, you know, who was and, playing. Was that, Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> he was so mad. He was so mad. Like a dog beat him a on dog. the leg. The first bite from a dog in a game and he's down. Like some hero I am. Yeah. That does not happen in Exalted. In Exalted, in Exalted you nuke the whole town if you want to. So, yeah. Well, anyway. All right. So that, that about wraps it up for this week, guys. So, um, let's see. What, Jim, people know. But tell them anyway, where can they find more of your stuff? <laughs> you can find things that I've created for the Exalted uh, Universe at fivepoles.com. Or you can reach me direct at my email, james.fivepoles at gmail.com. And on the official Onyx Path forums, I go by the username Reform Ninja. Yeah, you do. And for all game-related things, including the official Onyx Path forums and the deepwild.com forums, I am Numapilot. And remember, if you have a question or an issue you'd like for us to discuss on the show, please send your question to us at thedeliberativepodcast at gmail.com, just like old Carl did for this week. Thank you, Carl. And if at all possible, do what Carl did. Record yourself asking the question or making the comment so that we can put you on the air. Because right now, I'm just going to be honest with you, Carl is cooler than you but next week <laughs> next week you could be just as cool as carl so don't let the carl's coolness you know defeat you you come back with a vengeance send your own voice clip in be on our message machine along with the one remaining blinking light and uh, i i know who that is and so we're gonna have fun talking with him next week <laughs> all right guys uh just let's let's keep carl in the loop here carl found our show he said uh our show helped him out so one way for to help us help people find our show is for you guys to go leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or something like that so that when somebody is looking for an exalted podcast, it says the deliberative podcast and they can get the information and the 
the the jokes and stuff that they need to uh, help out their exalted. <laughs> you need these jokes. Three three solars walk into Rothes. Everyone mentions the banter, and I'm like, oh, I got two dots in banter and didn't even know it. <laughs> I've been saving up my XP to buy some more dots in banter. Yeah, I need three dots, and then I at least need to get I'll the excellency. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.